What is going on, everybody? This is Jake Sports Takes, and we are back. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. We have a lot to talk about from the Big Ten expansion, the SEC, what's their next move? And we also have some NBA talk with Kyrie and KD both on the move. Where are they going to go? We will find out. Let's start with the Big Ten SEC expansion college football playoff. What is going on and what is going to happen? So start off, let's also say that this is all as as we know, Jake's sports takes. So these are all my takes. This is no one else's. This is reflects no one else's opinion. Um, but I, what I want to talk about here is what what is going on. Obviously, the UCLA and USC thing has been in the works for quite some time. How they were able to keep that under wraps is really beside me, especially in a day and age where we're tweeting out NBA draft picks and NFL draft picks a good two minutes before they're even happening by the insiders. How does this type of news stay undercover? Well, I'm going to say that there's there's two main networks that are at play here. You obviously know that the SEC has TV rights with ESPN. They were the ones that orchestrated the whole Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC here in a couple of years. So Fox obviously has the TV rights to the Big Ten. They knew that they had to orchestrate a big-time move, a big-time splash in order to compete with the SEC. There's already that SEC dominance. You already see Alabama every single year at the top. You see Georgia. Georgia curb-stomped Michigan this year and looked really, really good in what they did. I mean, they won the national championship. Georgia is is someone that could could catapult into that into that conversation if they can continue that success. But then you also have the Texas A&Ms who are just dropping money left and right for recruits. And then you're going to see Jimbo Fisher say that this didn't happen after Nick Saban accused him of it and then video leaks out that that in fact they do talk a lot about money in the recruiting pitches. So The Big Ten had their hands tied. They have to make a move. Fox knows that they have to make a move. So what do they do? They see the Pac-12. You you have this alliance set with the Pac-12 and with the ACC. Obviously, that alliance didn't mean anything. Or it meant something for just a short-term period. We know nothing about that alliance and what that's like. But instantly, as soon as UCLA and USC joined the Big Ten and you got a little bit of news about that last week, that alliance is dead. It's gone. The Pac-12 is in a very, very bad situation. I don't know if they saw this one coming. The Big Ten kind of pulled the seat right out out underneath them and poached their two biggest markets – USC, UCLA. Now, for football in recent years, no. They aren't the cream of the crop. For basketball, UCLA does a nice job. USC does another nice job. USC is just kind of that mediocre, you know, right middle middle of the pack. At least in recent years. They have that history there, though. For basketball, you're adding a blue blood in UCLA. 
But does the move stop there is the real question. Can you just... Can we just be content with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten and Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC? And the answer for the Big Ten is no. No, you cannot wait. You cannot wait. This is not a time to sit back and wait on one's decision. That team I'm talking about, that university that I'm talking about, that we're waiting on the decision of, is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame is at the top of the list for the Big Ten. Notre Dame cannot dictate what happens for the rest of the Big Ten. Because we've seen it time and time again whenever you wanted them to join the Big Ten. They don't join. They think that they are bigger than what they are. At least in recent years. They have history. But does that matter? I would say it matters, but does it matter as much as what it used to? No. The answer is no. Obviously, people don't care about history and tradition. We have two West Coast teams joining the Big Ten. The Big Ten. The history behind the Big Ten is the in the trenches and fighting for every single inch, run it down your mouth, football. Is that what we see now when you turn on the TV on Saturdays? No. History changes. College football is changing. And you can't let Notre Dame dictate this entire narrative of when the Big Ten is going to keep expanding. They, there's reports out now that they are waiting on, big, on uh, Notre Dame's decision to join the Big Ten. How long are you going to wait? Those other teams are about to get poached because we got a report yesterday that there are six Pac-12 teams in conversations with the Big 12 to join the Big 12. We also got reports that the Pac-12 releases a statement saying that they're going to look into their new media deal since they've signed one since 2011 and they have one year left on their TV rights. Who's going to buy that contract? PBS? Cartoon Network? Who? who? Because what teams are even going to be playing for the Pac-12? I mean, you you talk about those six teams that are talking about going to the Big 12. You're talking about the Arizonas, the Arizona States, the Oregon, the, the Washingtons. Those are the big names there. Those are those big names that we're really talking about. On that list also was Utah. Those are those big names. Utah, I think, fits the best with the Big Ten out of all the Pac-12. They fit the best. They have the best kind of Big Ten mindset. If you're going for that kind of history and, and that kind of look, they have the best mold that fits that Big Ten mentality. But a lot of people are talking here and and we're all still waiting on Notre Dame. We're waiting on Notre Dame. Well, the Big 12 said, you know what? Screw that. I'm not waiting. We can't wait because we are fighting to stay alive. And they know that. Their two biggest dogs, Oklahoma and Texas, they're out the door. And you replace them with Cincinnati? Cincinnati was your big, your big splash in a way. For teams that came into the Big 12 after Oklahoma and Texas are going to be leaving. That's not enough, folks, to keep your conference alive. 
Then you also talk about TV deals. TV deals, money is going to rule this entire thing. Money, it's all a money grab. The NIL, it's all. It, college football has become so money driven. It always has been. Now it's just public. So you're talking about TV deals. The Big 12, where are they going to play? I mean, we just talked about the Pac-12 playing for PBS and Cartoon Network because who's going to be playing in the Pac-12? But the Big 12, they have some legitimate teams. Where are they going to play? Where are they playing their games? If you're talking about a, a media deal, I have no idea. You know, your, your big pond market, you know, you already have ESPN is tied to the SEC. The Big Ten is tied to Fox. Okay, I'm not saying, obviously there's Big 12 games on ESPN and everything else like that, but, but, and I believe they're on Fox too. Is that going to stay that way? Some people last night were talking, I, I was chatting with a bunch of buddies about this. You know, I, I picked everybody's brain because I, I released what I think the Big Ten ideal situation is and what they should do. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. A lot of people misconstrued that because I don't think that's what's going to happen. But we'll get into that here in a little bit. But when I brought up this conversation of what's going to happen and what it looks like, they brought up the Big 12, where they're going to play. And someone mentioned a streaming service, a streaming service like Peacock. I'm sorry, folks, but if I'm average Joe here, I'm not paying money to watch a mediocre team play college football on a Saturday. Who's paying to watch a game, Cincinnati and Iowa State? Who's paying that streaming service? If you're not a Cincinnati fan, you're not an Iowa State fan, I'll answer that for you. No one. No one is paying for that. And I feel like NBC is really trying to push this Peacock narrative. They did it last year with having Notre Dame on on Peacock for one of their games. Let me tell you, I didn't watch that game. I don't know about anybody else. I know the Notre Dame diehards did. But I, you need to make your streaming service accessible. If, if Amazon wants to get in the game, okay, because people will watch that because there's already Thursday night football there. Kurt Herbstreit's going to be on the call for Thursday night this year. That's going to draw attention. That's going to draw eyes. If Amazon wants to continue to expand in this market and into the football field and they want to get into college football, they can this might be the opportunity for them to do so. But back to what we were saying about the Big Ten, they can't sit here and wait on Notre Dame. They need to force Notre Dame's hand because like we talked about, money is at stake and money drives this entire thing. Notre Dame has that money. Notre Dame has the NBC deal. Obviously, you have to make it more enticing than just the, the deal from NBC for Notre Dame to join, but... Do you? Or can you force their hand? If they see that there's the Big Ten, the SEC, if they see that those are the two main conferences, and it looks like if you're a group of five team, an independent team, you're on the outside right now looking in, you're saying we need to get to a conference and we need to get to a conference now because we are going to be hard-pressed to get into the college football playoff. And that's what Notre Dame needs to see right now. Notre Dame needs to put their ego aside of 
we are more prestigious and better than everybody else. We have our own TV rights and all this and that, and they need to join a conference. And if they want to sit here and you can't put the ball in their court if you're the Big Ten. The Big Ten needs to dictate these moves. The Big Ten needs to go after the teams that they want. You need to go pursue those other Pac-12 teams that you want. You need to go pursue the ACC teams if you want to, if you want to go after them. You can't sit back and wait on Notre Dame. Notre Dame will be Notre Dame. If they want to stay there, they can stay there. They can stay in their own little lane, stay by themselves. But if I'm the Big Ten, if I'm Kevin Warren, who's the Big Ten commissioner, we are pushing the narrative. Here we go. Let's go. We're not sitting here waiting because there's a bunch of reports floating around that, well, there'll be a lot more moves after Notre Dame decides. Who cares? You still want them to decide. You leave that opportunity open to them, but prove to them that they have to join this conference. Right now they're looking at it. Yeah, I think that they're already, you know, maybe they're in the middle of the road. They're like, ah, yeah, you know, USC, UCLA, they're joining, you know, USC is one of our rivals. Yeah, oh, geez, you know, we play Ohio State this year. You know, that's that's going to draw really good viewership. Ah, maybe we should join, but... But then again, you know, we're an academic school. You know, we're, we're Notre Dame, you know. Why, why should we do that? Who cares? Let them sit there in the middle of the road and decide. The Big Ten, you need to pursue these teams because the Big 12, they're not waiting. They see that death is on their doorstep. They see who's coming for them next. And they decided, you know what? When we get backed up into a corner, we're going to fight our way out. We're not going to sit here and just surrender. And they went after these six teams from the Pac-12. Oregon and Washington are those big names that you're looking at here, folks. Now, I, I was listening yesterday to Fox Sports. It was actually the Doug Gottlieb show. And Dan Beyer was sitting in for Doug Gottlieb. And they were talking about that there are reports that Oregon might not be as big of a, a market or a bit, as big of a team as people are thinking for the Big Ten to go pursue them. You know, Phil Knight, the the CEO, the owner, uh, the founder of of Nike, he's poured so much money into Oregon. But was that enough? You know, that's that's the real question that they're really talking about. What was that money enough to get them into to be a brand, to be a football brand? And I don't know, you know, like you sit back on Saturdays, you always see them there. You know, Mario Cristobal just left. They. They bring in a brand new coach. Um, I believe he was the DC at uh, Georgia. And now you're just sitting here and you're kind of like, what can he do with it? You know, Mario Cristobal did a nice job coming coming there and, and kind of taking over a, a hot mess. And now he's down at the U. The U might be a brand that the SEC wants to get into and, and take that away from the ACC. You know, now that you talk about that, the college football landscape is not, no one knows what's going to happen. You can sit here and speculate, and that's what we're doing. We're just sitting here, and we are speculating all these different situations. I, there's no, if you're coming here, and you're listening to my, my podcast, and you're expecting me to tell you, the the breaking news, the answers, there is none at this current moment. 
And and I don't think there's going to be an answer tomorrow. But time is dwindling on the Big Ten to start making these moves, and we see that from, from yesterday's report of, hey, the Big 12 is starting to reach out to teams. And if we're being honest, the SEC hasn't just sat back in this situation. I mean... You have to really think about it. You think that the SEC has just sat here and said, oh, yeah, well, USC and UCLA have now joined the Big Ten. Oh, well. You don't think that they reached out to some teams? You don't think that they, you know, were like, hey, uh, you know, maybe we should go talk to the U. Or, oh, you know, North Carolina and Duke, you know, that's two blue bloods for basketball. Maybe we should reach out to them or, you know, if you really think that they just sat back and didn't reach out to anybody, I mean, maybe you're right, but I'm going to just assume that you're wrong. Because I would assume that they are trying to push, and it kind of looked like they were trying to go for these two mega conferences, the Big Ten, the SEC. In all honesty, though, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I, I could still see there, there's going to be a power four. The Pac-12... The Pac-12, let's let's all take a moment of silence for the Pac-12 because it is dead, folks, dead. Okay, moment of silence over. So, the Pac-12, dead. Forget about a Power 5 conference. They're no longer a Power 5 conference because, okay, as of right now, if they can retain all those teams, eh, maybe, but no, they're not going to. So, Pac-12, they're playing on PBS. We don't care about them anymore. So, now you have your four. You have Big 12. You have the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC. Obviously, still the Big Ten and the SEC are, are top dogs. But the ACC and the Big 12 are kind of like I talked about before. They're backed up into a corner and they need to make moves. They need to push out. They need to maybe look for an expansion. The ACC, though, where do they go? You're going to have to poach teams from the SEC, from the Big Ten. I don't think that you can do that. Big Ten might be able to, you know, say, hey, uh, knock on the door of the old uh, ACC and say, hey, if you really want to help us out here, I got two teams for you that, that would be quality. And they would be asking, who's that? And everybody else would say, well, you know, um, it's uh, Rutgers and Maryland. Get rid of them. Because in my ideal situation, my ideal Big Ten conference Rutgers and Maryland are not a part of that conversation. Do you blame me? What do they, they provide to the table? Maryland, the basketball, a little bit. But we're, right now, I feel like we're all football-minded and football-geared. You know, the, the season's starting up here in August. As I'm talking to you here, it's July 6th. So, obviously, that's right around the corner Everybody's in the football mindset. The ACC is still well and alive in, for at least basketball. Have they really ever been alive for football? I mean, you always had Clemson, and you had that short stretch of Clemson, but they just dominated. So, I mean, who were they playing? Who was, their championship game was against the U. You're still holding out hope that the U is going is to become this brand that they were. And we just talked about Notre Dame and history. History doesn't matter in the college football landscape anymore. Nobody really cares. 
Nobody really cares. Everybody cares about recency. It's all about recency bias. That's across the board in all sports, folks. That's how society is. Did you perform recently? If you're a big-time boss at a company and you did something great 20 years ago, guess what, guys? If you're listening to this, you they don't care anymore. They don't care that you did something great 20 years ago. They care about now. They care about what are you going to do for us now? The U hasn't done anything recently. Notre Dame hasn't done anything recently. Those are still two big brands that they could get for college football, and, and you're still hoping that they get back to the level that they were. And both teams are making strides to get there. Notre Dame has the number one recruiting class. Notre Dame has a brand new head coach. Seems like he's fun. Seems like he's energetic And Marcus Freeman. They get rid of Brian Kelly. Great move. Everybody was like, wow, I can't believe Brian Kelly really left. He went to the LSU, you know. What was Notre Dame thinking? They were they were thinking, wow, thank you for leaving, is what they were thinking, because Brian Kelly hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything. And I don't think that that's a move that's going to work, is Brian Kelly to the SEC and to LSU. He's going to get eaten alive. But, oh well. The SEC is still going to be a top dog. The Big Ten is still going to be a top dog. But where do we go from here? So, my ideal situation for the Big Ten is something a little bit different. It, it has ruffled a little bit of feathers, I will say. Because it is expanding and going into four divisions. So, what I, what I think an ideal world... Is this going to happen? No. You're going to have to lose two teams. <clears throat> cough, cough. Maryland and Rutgers. They're not leaving. They're not just going to come around the table and say, yeah, so uh, Michigan's not going to sit here and say, well, we should kick them out. Ohio State's going to be like, yeah, we should too. Yeah, we should kick them out. No, it's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And Michigan definitely won't do that because we've seen it in the past. They don't have that kind of mentality. We've seen it throughout COVID. They don't have that kind of mentality. But I can go on a Michigan rant for a long time here. You guys don't want to hear that right now. We're talking about Big Ten expansion. The Michigan rant can save for another day. So I say that you split the Big Ten into four pods, four divisions. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, we're going away from division football. We're going away from the East and the West, and we're all just combining, and, and a lot of people are doing that for their championship games. You can do that in this situation. I'm just kind of giving it a little bit of a layout that kind of looks a lot nicer, and, and you don't have to go off of these pods, but I think that these teams should at least play each other once a year. You know, of course, everybody's and – then, and then you play outside of that pod as well. But these teams need to be playing each other every single year. So in the West, we have UCLA. We have USC, we have Oregon, we have Washington, and we have Utah. Let's talk about the snub there. The snub that a lot of people have brought to my attention is Stanford. Stanford, okay, if you want to bring Stanford in, that may be more enticing for the old Notre Dame to hop in. But we already talked about there's reports that you that Washington and Oregon have to go together because of legislation and that they have to play for the same conference. Okay, so that scratches those two. You can't move those two out. UCLA and USC, you can't move those two out. Obviously, they already joined. 
Utah's that only team. So it's going to be between Utah and Stanford. Do I think Utah's a bigger brand than Stanford? No, I do not. But Utah, like I said before, has those values. They have that Big Ten. They have that kind of grit to them that everybody talks about for the Big Ten. That's going back on history. Do we care that much about history? I think we found out throughout this podcast, no, a lot of people don't care about history. So you could replace Utah with Stanford. That could be. The Midwest, so that was all the West. Let's run through the West one more time. The West was UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington, and Utah. Now to the Midwest. The Midwest was Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Northwestern. Well, let me tell you, folks, I've posted this on both, on a lot of social media platforms, and let me tell you, no one has complained about that. No one has complained about that, that division. I don't think anybody should. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky because some people, people have complained about this one. So the Great Lakes, the Great Lakes division will be Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois, and Indiana. Let me run through that one more time. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois, and Indiana for the Great Lakes. That that could ruffle some feathers here, and I'll tell you why. Because we're going to go into the East Division. The East Division, Penn State, West Virginia, Pitt, Purdue, and Notre Dame. A lot of people are saying Notre Dame should join that, that Great Lakes. You could. You could put them in there, and you could bump out Indiana or Illinois or whoever you want to bump out. I understand that. But... It's all about just kind of making sure that all the pods were kind of equal in size if you wanted to go for the division route. If you didn't want to go for the division route, that's fine. Then you can bump them out. But I I think the teams that I have listed here, I don't think it's a bad look, you know? So let's, let's just kind of put it into perspective here. Right now, your Big Ten, you know, you just let's say you just added USC, you just added UCLA. So what I'm telling you that I think should happen is I think Oregon should join. I think Washington should join. I think Utah should join. So you should extend an invitation to those three. That's forming your West. The Midwest is going to stay the same. That's Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern. That's all the same. The Great Lakes, that's all Big Ten teams. The East, I think you should expand for and go get West Virginia. You should go get Pitt, and you should go get Notre Dame. So I'm saying add six more teams is what I'm telling you to do. Now, that means you're also dropping two teams. You're kicking out the Maryland. You're kicking out Rutgers. That's not going to happen, so that's why I said this is an ideal situation. Now, a lot of people are like, why would you add West Virginia? Why would you add Pitt? West Virginia and Pitt... You know, they do have history there. Again, some people care about history. A lot of people don't. It's up in the air. But they do have a rivalry there. A rivalry that's that's waiting to kind of be rehashed and and re-brought up. West Virginia, I think, provides that Big Ten grit. You know, they, they are a quality basketball program under Bob Huggins. If you're looking at it from a basketball perspective, from a football perspective, they're they're getting some pretty good players recently, and and they can kind of compete. But that involves them leaving the Big Twelve. I don't know if they're willing to do that. You know, the Big Twelve is is making those moves, 
And another team that a lot of people have brought up is Pitt. Why Pitt? What, what's going on there with Pitt? Well, Pitt is just one of those teams that they're in Pennsylvania. They're kind of all, it's just kind of like a location thing more for Pitt. It, they're located well. Penn State's right there. There's a nice rivalry there. And what we're trying to do with this, you know, Colin Coward was talking about this yesterday on his show, that we're looking to get big games in college football. Viewership is down. Viewership is not what it used to be for college football because how many times do you turn on the TV on a Saturday and you and you look on there and you're like, Oh my golly, like Rutgers is playing Maryland or Rutgers is playing Northwestern. Like what in the world? Like as true football fans, yeah, you're going to watch it, but do you really want to watch it? No, that's that's not going to draw a lot of eyeballs to the game. If you expand, this is what's going to fix college football too. There's going to be more money tossed around. If you can get big names to play big names, a lot of people are pushing for this, you know, your non-conference schedules, you know, besides Ohio State and Notre Dame, that's a big matchup there. But a lot of non-conference schedules are cupcakes. They are. That's just how it works. And that's not a bad thing. Speaking from experience, you know, of my time up there at Bowling Green, that's how Bowling Green got money, was playing these big schools, was playing Oregon, was playing the UCLA that they're going to play this year. That's how a lot of smaller schools get their athletic budget. So I'm not saying go away with that completely, but normally there's about three games that you have cupcake non-conference schedules, and I think that should be brought down to two. So under this new expansion, I'm not saying that the season games are going to get bigger, but I do have a suggestion. Basketball does it, and I think this would draw eyeballs. A lot of them. A lot of them. Like millions and millions of eyeballs. Do a Big Ten versus SEC challenge every year. You, as the conferences, they dictate the matchups. They know what's good. They know what people want to see. People want to see Ohio State versus Alabama. People want to see Michigan maybe play Alabama. I don't think that's going to fare well for Michigan, but they want to see that. They want to see Ohio State versus Georgia, Michigan versus Georgia. They want to see a big team play play against Texas A&M. You know, the SEC, they do have that dominance, so I do think that they're going to win, but you're talking about eyeballs. If I'm the Big Ten, I'm pushing this. I want the Big Ten SEC Challenge. We might get schlacked in it, but, 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 this is going to help with recruiting. The kids are going to see it. The kids are going to see it. They can get on this bright stage, the big lights, everything else. You know, the Big Ten already has big matchups. They have Ohio State, Penn State. They have Michigan, Penn State. They have Ohio State, Michigan. They have Michigan, Michigan State. They have Ohio State, Michigan State. They have those big rivalries. If you kind of can, you can kind of foster one here, you know, with the Big Ten SEC challenge that I'm suggesting, you can maybe get one. Everybody's all about the money now. Kids are all about the money. If you, and the whole NIL thing, if you present an opportunity to make more money, Big Ten SEC Challenge, people are going to come. 
people will come. And I'm not saying it's going to fare well for the Big Ten off the start, but I think it's going to go a lot better than a lot of people think. You know, for years, everyone has thought that they are just going to absolutely steamroll, the SEC would absolutely steamroll the Big Ten, and I don't know that that's the case. Because if you look at the bottom half of the SEC and the bottom half of the Big Ten, I think they match up okay. Vanderbilt is going to, let's say that they play Northwestern. I'm taking Northwestern. Vanderbilt is trash. And they have been notoriously. You know, there's still those teams that people don't want to talk about are being a part of the SEC. The Mississippi States. And then there's still those ones that are like, you know, the middle of the pack. Mississippi State could be considered middle of the pack. But Ole Miss, that's middle of the pack. Big Ten has those teams too. They do. I, I don't think that it's so far that it's an SEC completely dominant field. I think that this could actually be maybe a little bit competitive. And even if it's not, like I said, even if it's not, it's still good for viewership. And it still is going to work out. At some point you have to compete, but I'm not saying the first year you do. I don't know, guys. I think that that might not be a bad idea. Now, are small small market teams, are your MAC teams, are your Mountain West teams, teams like that, are they going to complain? Yes. They're losing one game off their schedule. I, I would complain. That's your athletic budget. I don't know how you fix that, though. Because you can't sit here and continue to say, well, we're going to kind of handcuff ourselves to... To, you know, they're kind of eh, eh games because this benefits the smaller market teams. The NCAA wants that, but, but America doesn't want that. America's not tuning in for Ohio State versus Akron unless you see it on the Sports Center top 10 when Garrett Wilson or, you know, your Chris Olave is jumping up there and Mawson, a defender from Akron. And I'm not saying those Mac schools and stuff like that are slouches, but they aren't to the caliber of the Big Ten and the SEC, and everybody knows that. They can give you a game. I mean, every single year you see a scare. You see a small team like Appalachian State roll into the big house and beat Michigan. You see a small school come into the the shoe and give Ohio State a game. You see a first-half miracle by a team that goes down to Alabama and gives them a little bit of a scare you see it but I mean come on guys I think it's very very obvious what they should do Big Ten SEC challenge expand the Big Ten the SEC's already expanded I mean and in my suggestion there we didn't take any ACC schools so the ACC is still alive actually I'm sorry we took away Pitt we took away Pitt so Pitt Pitt you're losing to the ACC I think the ACC will be okay if they lose Pitt I know a lot of people in the, a lot of reports are saying that North Carolina and Duke could potentially join the Big Ten. I don't, I don't see that. I, I, they say that that's a part of the wish list. May, I mean, you would have to think that wherever North Carolina goes, Duke goes, just for that basketball thing. But again, we're in football mentality. Those aren't big brands for football. They just aren't. So, But I mean, if you look at it across the board for all sports, you know, I think these are good moves for both conferences. 
for the Big Ten, for the SEC. SEC already made their move, you know, with Oklahoma and Texas. That's a good move. And I'm not seeing that the moves are done. No one knows what's going to happen. That's what I think the ideal conference alignment is. And we'll just have to see from there. Coming up next, we're going to talk about KD, Kyrie Irving. Where are they going to go? What's going on in the NBA? Stay tuned for that. All right, and we are back, and we are talking about KD, Kyrie, NBA free agency, all the news that you need to know, and all the big moves. This year for NBA free agency, you know, it has it's not as star-studded as it normally is with there's not a big KD, there's not a big Kyrie, there's not a big LeBron James. But KD and Kyrie have made themselves available through the trade request, you know, KD placed in his trade request and still has not been fulfilled yet. And it might not, you know. I mean, everyone wants to talk about what's what's going to happen here. What's what's what is the move? And a lot of people have also said that hey, you know Kyrie, Kyrie's got to be on the move. Well, last yesterday we we were listening here and and Sham says there's no traction between Kyrie Irving and the Los Angeles Lakers to get a deal done. Because what are the Lakers going to offer? Last night in, in the wee hours of the night, the Lakers make a move and sign Thomas Bryant. Oh, yeah, that'll make them a contender. The ball's in the Lakers' court here to make this move for Kyrie because they know that they have to make the move. They have to get better in order to compete. But is Kyrie that player? Kyrie has been so destructive in multiple different areas of where he has been at. You know, and I'm on record of being a Kyrie fan in the past. You know, I loved it when he was in Boston. And then for for the way that that all went down and all was handled, he lost my respect. He lost a fan in myself. And, you know, I'm going to put that aside here, but just look at his track record. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and just, we're going to hate on Kyrie because I'm a Kyrie hater. I'm not a Kyrie hater. I can put aside being a fan or not being a fan of him. But look at what he's done. In Boston, it was a mess. He leaves. Cleveland, it was a mess. And now we are in another mess with the Nets. If you're the Lakers, do you really want to trade for this guy? Janie Buss is out here tweeting about Kobe Bryant and how, you know, he always put the team first, la da 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 da. I don't know if that's completely true, you know, and, and I love Kobe. I, I am a huge, was a huge Kobe fan. But, I mean,. Kyrie is, you know, not going to put the team first. You have to choose the lesser of two evils here. Do you want to deal with Russell Westbrook? Or do you want to deal with Kyrie Irving? Russell did not give you the production that he normally would this year. Are you going to give up on him? I don't know. That's up to you. You guys have to make that decision. Los Angeles Lakers have to make that decision. 
Russell has given you every indication that, you know, you could move off of him because he had a not-so-stellar year. He obviously has had stellar years in the past, but he was the one-man show. He was the one-man wrecking ball by himself. Dealing now with other stars like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, he doesn't perform. But are you willing to trade him and move off of him for Kyrie Irving, someone who could be so destructive to a franchise that we have seen it now three times? We have seen it in Cleveland, we've seen it in Boston, and now we are seeing it in Brooklyn. Do you want that instead? I don't know that you do. You know, we've, we've heard multiple reports. We've heard that, oh, a deal is imminent. A deal is going to happen. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And then we hear yesterday that there's no traction to this. So kind of what's going on here? What is the move? You know, yesterday, Ian Rappaport brought up a really good point about the Baker Mayfield situation and going to Seattle. And I'm going to bring this into our context here. That's an internet rumor that has gone wild and the Seattle Seahawks do not want anything to do with Baker Mayfield. Did we automatically just assume that Kyrie Irving was going to go to the Los Angeles Lakers to go back with LeBron way too soon? We maybe did. Because we know that that is going to work. We know that it has worked. LeBron and Kyrie, it has worked. But it didn't end well. Kyrie wanted out. Did he mature now? And does he know that he he has to perform? And LeBron James is his best avenue to do that? I don't know that he has. I I, I don't know that anyone outside of Kyrie Irving knows if he's if he has. You know. The Lakers are sitting here. The Nets are sitting here. They're the headlines of the NBA free agency, but they aren't the ones that have made the sneaky moves, the the good moves. The sneaky moves that have been done so far that I think have the the sneakiest best offseason so far, the Philadelphia 76ers. Sneaky. Remember that word, sneaky. They've brought in quality role players, Quality bench players and are restructuring James Harden deal that should be done anytime here because James Harden has realized that he needs to win and he needs it bad. Bringing in his buddy PJ Tucker, I think that's going to help out a lot. Now going to a team that has, it's not been sneaky, but it's had a really good offseason after making the finals, the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics have made some pretty good moves here. Bringing in Malcolm Brogdon, that's going to help out a lot. That's a tr- that was a trade. Bringing in Danilo Gallinari, that's going to help out a lot. You know, and you already still have that other point guard depth there. I think Boston really helped themselves out in this whole situation here. But that's not what's being talked about. What's being talked about, what's bringing in headlines is the Lakers and the Nets. The Lakers are are attached to Kyrie, allegedly, you know, throughout all these talks. But someone that also is being talked about is Kevin Durant. Where is Kevin Durant going? A lot of people have brought up going back to the Warriors. 
I don't think there's that traction for it. They can't trade Andrew Wiggins for him. So who are they going to trade for him? Because they're not allowed to trade Andrew Wiggins because of NBA rules. Something about rookie contracts or something like that. They are not able to trade for Andrew Wiggins uh, to go get Kevin Durant. So where's Kevin Durant going to go? And I think the best look for him and the odds-on favorite right now, the Phoenix Suns is a great destination for him. A couple years ago, when we were just starting out Just My Take Sports, I told after the draft, after they drafted, uh, Mikkel Bridges was in that draft. I'm trying to think who else. Maybe it was, it, was that the same draft as DeAndre Ayton, possibly? I said that the Phoenix Suns would be very, very good in contending for championships in a couple of years. They're doing that now. They're doing that now. Now we see DeAndre Ayton is on the move. He's in free agency. He can go wherever he wants to go. It was rumored for a while that he would join forces with the Brooklyn Nets if this is when we all assumed that uh, KD and Kyrie would be there. The, KD and Kyrie, specifically KD, has put a stop to DeAndre Ayton's deals. And we are all waiting on their moves. They have the entire NBA strangled. I mean, there's no other way to say it. They have them strangled. They, Everyone else, all 29 teams other than the Brooklyn Nets are reaching out to Kevin Durant. Heck, even all 30, because I bet you the Brooklyn Nets are still reaching out to, to uh, Kevin Durant and saying, hey, uh, you know, what can we do to please you? And everybody's reaching out to the Nets saying, hey, what do you want for him? Everybody wants Kevin Durant. I'd be hard-pressed to believe that there's teams that don't want Kevin Durant. But I think the Phoenix Suns, you know, he listed that as one of his top destinations. I think that fits perfectly. Now, you're still going to wonder what they are going to do at center. Can they bring back DeAndre Ayton after getting Kevin Durant? I don't know. But what are they going to have to give up to get Kevin Durant? If I'm the Phoenix Suns, you know, we have seen that they are right there. They are right at that threshold. They are at the, you would qualify this as win now. Are you willing to give up your future and all your draft picks for Kevin Durant? I would say yes. If I'm the Phoenix Suns, I say yes. I go all in. Winning is hard. Winning has never been easy, and that is in all sports. If you have the opportunity to bring in the best scorer in the NBA in recent years, you do that. You don't sit and wait. I say you give up your future and you go get him. Because why not? What are you waiting for? The future Kevin Durant that you're going to have to develop? I get the draft picks are becoming more and more valuable, you know, with the with the group that's coming in. Last night we saw Chet Holmgren in his summer league debut put up big numbers, but is he going to be anything outside of the summer league? I don't know. No one knows. No one knows if anyone in this rookie class is going to produce yet. Nobody knows if the first round draft pick and the number one overall pick next year that's coming more than likely the overseas kid is going to produce. No one knows this. But you know what Kevin Durant is. You know that he is one. 
you know that he's one of the greatest scorers. Sure, does he like to get after it on Twitter and tell people his thoughts? Sure, does he, is he kind of just sometimes a little bit of a prima donna? Yes, he is. But at this rate in the NBA, looking at the NBA, what superstar is not a prima donna? I'm waiting. Tell me which one's not a prima donna. I think they all are. That's how the NBA is. It's a players run league. It's not owners run, it's players run. It's different than any other league. In all the major sports, the NBA is completely different. There's a lot of movement. A lot of movement. And a lot of people have brought up on Twitter, is that what we want? You know, we always say, oh, we love this movement. But then they go to a different team that we weren't thinking, do you still love that movement? If KD goes back to the Warriors, do you still love that freedom movement? Probably not. Because now the Warriors are back as the front runners. They're still the front runners now. They just are coming off of another championship. Draymond Green is still doing the championship parade all over his podcast. He is rubbing it into everyone in America because everyone in America was waiting for him to fail and they were going to rub it into him. That championship is not even not even aged that much. If they bring in Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, no, a known frontrunner kind of guy. That's what he's known for. With his whole Oklahoma City move to the Warriors, is he going to do it again? We see what it did to his reputation, but does he care? Winning cures all. Winning will always cure all. All your problems go away when you win games. When you win basketball games. When you win hockey games. When you win whatever, football games. When you win the golf match, all problems will always go away in all sports if you win. No one's going to talk about it. A lot of problems that you see on different media outlets in sports go away when you win. If you're losing, that's when you see problems arise. So... KD to the Warriors? I don't know. I think that KD to the Phoenix Suns is your best fit, in my opinion. Does that mean he's going there? No. I'm giving you Jake's sports takes. That's my take. That's just my take is where I think that he should go. Now, for Kyrie Irving, they've said that they are not going to honor wherever he wants to go. So I think the Lakers might be out of the question here, folks. I don't know where Kyrie's going to be at. Who wants Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving is still a a good player. A great player, in fact. But we've seen it time and time again that he's not willing to take his ego and check it at the door. He has a problem with that. He has a problem with that ego of his. He just can't put it aside. And all these different issues. And, I, and I'm not talking about the issues that took place this year. I'm just talking about, in general, the issues that actually 
are dictated off of his ego. <laughs> Who wants him? Where will he go? We know LeBron wants him, but do the Lakers want him? I don't know because Jeannie Buzz just tweeted, you know, talking about team first, talking about Kobe Bryant. Is that just saying that? Is she just tweeting, you know, just like all these other NBA players and honoring Kobe Bryant and, and you know, Kobe was a great player, one of the greatest players of all time. Is she just saying that? Or is there actually some traction to that? Is she saying that maybe not everybody here wants Kyrie Irving? Maybe it's just LeBron James that wants Kyrie Irving. Because him and Kyrie have worked in the past. It has. So why would you not do it again? Is what he's thinking. But did the Lakers think the same thing? That's the real kicker. I don't I don't know what the move is for Kyrie Irving. I I think there's a lot more suitors. There's definitely a lot more suitors, and we know there's a lot more suitors for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant on the move and it has left everything else in free agency at a standstill. The only big move that you're really going to talk about here that a lot of people have talked about is Jalen Brunson to the New York Knicks. Do you want to talk about that move? I'll talk about that move. That move, Jalen Brunson got overpaid for what he is. Overpaid. I'm not saying it might not work. They have a now real point guard. In a league of non-real point guards, Steph Curry is a point guard. He's not your typical point guard, but he's the greatest player probably in the NBA. He's going to go down with the greats. He will be in that same conversation as Michael Jordan and as LeBron James at the end of his career. He's not a real point guard. Is that You know, the Knicks have never made a star-studded move. They overpaid for Julius Randle because Julius Randle shined in a market that had no other stars. Jalen Brunson gets overpaid. Is it enough to move the needle? I don't know. I think that this move might help their youth. It might help the R.J. Barretts. I think it will help the R.J. Barretts. I think it will help Julius Randle continue to maybe shine. But again, you're just banking on R.J. Barrett to, to kind of come to fruition, to kind of become that star, and you don't know that he's going to. You know, you traded for Cam Reddish in the middle, at the end of the season there, at the end of, before the trade deadline, and he did nothing for you. The Knicks, I don't know, guys. The Knicks need to get into some conversations They need to win basketball games. We talked about it. Winning cures all. They need to win. Because no longer is Madison Square Garden a a destination that free agents want to go to. You had to overpay for a point guard that just started this year. And don't get me wrong, he did well in the playoffs, especially when Luka was out. But it's Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, he didn't do anything. And he didn't start before this year. And you went and gave him a hundred plus million. What a hundred, hundred four? What was it? Hundred five? I don't remember exactly the uh, the exact dollar amount. But you gave him 
millions and millions of dollars for for what? Hoping that it'll be a 20 and 10 guy? Does he have enough to his track record to prove that he's going to be a 20 and 10 guy? I don't know. The Knicks overpaid for Jalen Brunson. KD and Kyrie are on the move. The sneaky moves from the Philadelphia 76ers have definitely put them in a better spot to contend for a title. The Boston Celtics have gotten better. The Nets are falling apart. That's what we know right now for NBA free agency. Obviously, we're still waiting on a lot of moves. Today is July 6, 2022, so there's a lot of moves that could take place. We're recording this in the morning, so there definitely could be some moves that happen this day and forward. We will be back next week. Uh, we will be doing these shows weekly, um, aiming for a Wednesday release date that could possibly change and I will keep you guys all posted. But we are definitely going to be bringing back Jake's Sports Takes and Just My Take Sports. If you are interested in joining Just My Take Sports, please reach out to myself uh, at JM Take Jake, and we will get you. Um, we'll get a conversation with you, and we will find out if if this is truly the avenue that you want to do. Just My Take Sports will give you that avenue to speak your mind. Talk about what your takes are in sports and ultimately just have fun. That's what we're doing here, folks. We are just having fun. So thank you for tuning into the episode of Jake's Sports Takes and have a great week. We will see you next Wednesday.